This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. It's now 9.37 a.m. Melissa Chuang and Ibrahim with you for the SNM show. Now, there was an article that was written by a former investment banker and he's now a research, a, a senior research advisor at Frontline Analyst. And this article caught our attention. So Daniel Davis is the, the author of this article and he lays out the flaws of buy-sell ratings on stocks. And boy, it ain't pretty. So if you uh, rely on these research reports or analyst <coughs> calls to, to um, you know, inform your investing decision, boy, are you in for a treat today. Yeah, so in line with the best spirits of SNM show and debunking conventional investing theory, um, you know, I, I chose the story uh, with Salvatore Dali in mind. Okay, I can right. just mention the whip going. But the thing is, you know, the market is is, is rife with uh, retail investors, right? Mm. Mom and pop investors, especially in developing economies, China, Malaysia is no exception, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is we, we tend to rely a lot, in fact, too, perhaps too much on analyst ratings. When analysts tell you, to, tell you to buy, you buy, when analysts tell you to sell, you sell. In a perfect world, analyst recommendations are driven with the investor in mind. Problem is, in the real world, they're not. And that's where the problems start, Right. Okay, but the, 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 the underlying notion is that we can't be the master of everything. There's a concept that everybody has a profession. One is a lawyer, another one is a doctor, another one is a janitor, another, you know, bus driver and so on, right? Radio so announcers. Radio announcers, thank you very much. Uh, but there are professions out there that is called financial analyst and therefore we rely our expertise on them. As much as, for instance, a bus driver, his job is to drive a bus, I rely absolutely everything and put my trust everything on a bus driver and let the bus driver do the thing that he knows best to drive the bus so can I place that kind of trust whether I like it or not that's a, I mean can be biased or otherwise but whether I like it or not if I want to rely on a financial advice I would have to look at these analysts okay I'm going to ask Chuang why is it that you say that um, we can't rely on analysts I'm a retail investor I, I look at analyst <laughs> reports why can't I because I've been covering this market for 20 years right it makes me sound like a dinosaur which I am yeah. right from the crust- crustacean period <laughs> so I know too much and that's the problem you see um I'm going to reply to this in an oblique fashion. And I'm going to, you know, for example, um, Ibrahim, right? When you have a property agent representing you in a transaction, mm. it's not always that the property agent gives you the best deal because sometimes they would just want to get a deal done and get the commission and walk away to the next deal, right? Mm. So they might not sell you the house of your dreams. They might not even sell you a house of your dreams at the price that you possibly want, but they will sell it to you at a deal, at a price at which they can get the commission and walk away as soon as possible because their business is done and predicated based on volumes. Right. Not size, but volumes. The more transactions they do, the more money they make. Right, but uh, I mean, Jonathan Perkins, uh, which has come on the grill actually, has explored this topic in depth about 10 years ago, in fact, on, in his book, Freakonomics. But that is with, say, the property agent when they work on commissions. Melissa, what do you think? Because financial analysts, they, they churn out these PDFs, right? Yeah. They don't actually earn so much from, from PDFs churning out, you know, unlike a, a house So scholar. the analysts, you know... They're um, not commission-based is what, what we're trying to say, we, right? We exactly, right? <laughs> and that's the reason reason why research analysts are known to be uh, on the buy side, right? Sorry, sell side. Mm, sell side. Okay, so they're called sell side analysts. They sell ideas so that eventually this translates into orders that their broking side fulfills. Mm-hmm. And that's where they make money because there's commissions on broking uh, orders, right? They are supposed to be Chinese walls. That's what they call Chinese walls, right? Mm. So the research team don't talk to the broking side because mm. there's these Chinese walls between them. Mm. Problem is the Chinese walls, they made a paper, you see? Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, it's just like just like a child asking vitamin C from the mom, and the mom gives, and then you know it's supposed to get like another vitamin C from the dad, and not telling between the two. So it happens anyway. This yeah. Chinese world doesn't, yeah. you know, doesn't. You see, work. because the potential for conflict is tremendous, right? Yeah, that's right. right? So that's that's the point, right? The potential for conflict. Yeah, that's that's the problem, and we've seen many times um, that. Uh, Uh, um, uh, in a uh, coverage initiation, for example, of a company results in a huge upswing in the share price. We've seen that it's you know proven time and time again. So, would it be easy to just work with a company or work with a bunch of journalists, for example, hypothetically, you know, to um, to perhaps do a deal, you know? Okay, that's that's an interesting point. Okay, so you brought up journalists, right? Working with journalists, yeah. I'm sure the media has a role to play for in sure. this as well, right? For sure, and that's why um, you know there's this thing called the ecosystem, right? Whereby you know the analysts. Have only limited coverage because they only send send their reports to the clients, right? Mm. You need the buy-in and the participation of the wider community. You 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 send out rumors into the market. Uh-huh. Uh, you you whisper to friends at lunch. You know, right, you but tell journalists, hey, you know, tomorrow X Y Z Bahad going to win. I have a scoop for you. I have a scoop for you. This is this is this is the the more more of a more of a very you know sinister way of looking at things. The way you put it, because the way I see it is they don't have the skin in the game, right? Uh, analysts. When they write about stuff, when they write about industry, that's what you think. <laughs> uh-huh. That's when, what you think. When they, oh, you, that's what so you think. The, the conspiracy theorist in you. Uh, but but when they don't have this, uh, you know, skin in the game, they can actually come out and and be the objective third party folk and actually observe it and give a fair value commentary on what the market is. And that is exactly what analysts so are. So just as there are lawyers who are funny upstairs and just there are property brokers that are funny upstairs, there are good analysts and then there are bad analysts, right? Are there, uh, hang on, are there any um, checks and balances for analysts? So, okay, look, if you, ah, if you make a wrong... You're supposed to declare, you're supposed to fill out forms, you're not supposed to trade, you're not supposed to have a okay. personal account. No, well, that's part of, for the regulators to, to look at. Um, mm, mm. But the for, bank as well. for an analyst call, let's say you've got a call for a company and you say, okay, great call, we're going to have a, a buy call on this company. Is Are there any uh, checks and balances to make sure that that is, in fact, the right call? Or is it just purely judgment-based uh, From the analyst, mm. well, do they the have hierarchy, to? Hierarchy, right? That's why you've got your junior analyst, senior analyst. You've got head of research and all do that. Do they have right? to justify their buy call? Yeah, and that's why you always have to these checks and balances within your organization. You've got to explain your call, right? And you've got to stand by a call and have a very strong position. I mean, all the things we've been discussing until now has been quite extreme because these are very extreme examples, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, That end it, of the spectrum. Correct. But, you know, prejudices can be coloured by as simple as, for example, if I make a mistake, I'm covering a bank, right? And I say, oh, X, Y, Z is a buy, right? And I realise later, later on that it's not actually a buy, it's, it's, I made the wrong call. Do I have the courage, do I have the pride to say, hey, my call was wrong? I'm going to reverse my call from a buy to a sell. What's that going to do to my reputation? Yeah, that's that, as simple as that. That that happens in any profession. I mean, if I drive a cab and there's two routes to get to the the destination, I choose route A. Turns out that it's, it's jammed up. It's out, what's at stake. Right? What's at stake in your example is maybe two or three minutes extra time taken. In my case, it's money lost. Now, it's still the same. It's a profession based on But judgment call. But it's the call. extent of the loss. It's the extent of the fallout from the bad decision. That's fine. That that's fine. Just like I I give my life uh, to the airplane 
a pilot and he drives me say from London to KL it doesn't make any difference in terms of the extent of the loss what best most is that if I trust the guy say for instance if I trust the, the pilot of that airline off I go with that guy and the extent of that loss is even greater than one that you speak okay. of which is the extent well, to, of my just life. to go on your example then Ibrahim um, if you trust the pilot then you, you will let yeah. him you know you have, your life is in his hands but you don't know these analysts or the reputation behind them or no, nor do I know the, the pilot per se I mean I, when should, was the last should time you, you should you um, you know make your investing decisions based on a, a call that you trust from okay, someone that you trust in an ideal world you've got enough time to do your own research read your own, do mm, your own reading right. meet the company you know visit the premises mm, mm, you know accumulate mm. a whole raft of information mm. your own duty uh, correct your own duty lah, right and then you your, the analyst call is just one or say 10 data points right? so yeah. apart, apart in the from real the, world though, yeah. that's not the case you're too busy right exactly and, so, so then you can't fault right if the shares if people, like tumble uh, you know along the way well yeah so that's why you're contributory right but the thing is that it to me, the, the research community has a duty to play, and most of the analysts are quite proper, right? Right. There are some outlier cases, and as has proven through the years. <laughs> uh-huh. right? So they're, they're the ones, just well. like, you know, just like um, property brokers, there right. are some dirty ones, just like some lawyers, some dirty lawyers, right? Same thing, right? Okay, more on the conflicts of analyst calls and more on those outlier cases that Chong mentioned on BFM 89.9. Good morning. It's now 9.48 a.m. Melissa, Abraham and Chuang on the SNM show. We're talking about the flaws of um, analyst rating calls. Uh, Victor Liu tweeted saying that it's B-O-N-U-S. Buy, overweight, neutral, underweight and sell. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> Victor, Thank what you, are Victor. you going about? <laughs> Good job, the acronym. Good, yeah. yeah, right. Bonus. Right, so we were talking earlier about um, the data points that investors use to make investment decisions, right? And saying that, you know, we probably put too much faith in our analysts and the recommendations. Most of um, our decisions are sometimes based on those calls. But in an ideal world, you'd have many, many data points. And Chuang, you mentioned something a little earlier that I thought was interesting. You called yourself like a seasoned Fossil was the word you used? Uh, dinosaur, <laughs> dinosaur. dinosaur. <laughs> Crustacean dinosaur. And I have to say that sometimes, um, you know, uh, investors can overthink things by reading the news and yeah, listening to other people. analysis paralysis, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, the problem is, and, and this is bad because I wanted to say in that, Brian, that, um, you know, Steve Jobs exhorted the, uh, the, the graduating class of, what, 92 of Stanford to stay naive, right? To, to stay curious, mm. right? That's and what hungry. Told and hungry, right? Mm. So in a way, you remind me of that speech because you are still Aww. reasonably naive and still reasonably curious and all that, which is a good thing because you don't suffer from analysis paralysis. Analysis, right? Yeah. You know, no, you just called me Steve Jobs. I'm happy. <laughs> no, I said you are someone that Steve Jobs <laughs> well, spoke to. What are you right? doing, Chuang? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I unfortunately am a hard shell crustacean dinosaur, right? So Microsoft, who, who, who's, yeah. who's paralyzed by fear of the markets and all these <laughs> syndicates that are running around with evil on their minds, right? Yeah. And that's the problem. So, I, you know, I think I know too much and therefore I don't really know. But the share market for all its, you know, for all its prickles is probably the best place to make money mm-hmm. over the long term, right? Because mm. if you choose the right stock, you can get thousands and thousands and thousands of percent in capital gains. Mm. And it's fantastic. And you can make a lot of money from the share market. But, you know, I just have to go back to using China as an example. Now, over the past uh, couple of months that we've seen the uh, stock, route in, in stock market route in China, we've heard or read personal stories about retail investors and the 
the troubles that they've gone through losing all their money. And what really strikes me is that these are really kind of uh, fresh, new retail investors investing for the first time, not really knowing what they're doing, but just I uh, invest because, you know, my neighbor told me this stuff very good. Uh, and, mm. and things like that. So, Maybe they don't talk. So, like so that, the, the idea behind China's retail investors jumping in the game and actually gambling—I would call it—betting uh, on short-term gains and losses. Those guys, even if analyst reports come out in their little PDFs, fancy-coloured graphs, and all that, they still wouldn't rely on these analyst reports because their outlook is extremely short-term. In fact, some of them buy and sell within the day, and that, well, it's not allowed or whatever, but it, it still happens. But what, what? The way I look at it is, if I am a long-term investor, let's say lean economic time, uh, like right now, and you have utility companies dropping, right? Uh, for instance, Tanaga or Telecom, Exiata, and so on. I think it's a good time to buy utilities. Uh, you know, is is going to be there forever. The prices are, are cheap now, and uh, here I am propping to my uh, you know broker's uh, website. Uh, download a few analyst report on say the utilities industry, and based on that report, I already have a gut feel based on those report, and then they say buy if correct. it matches and it makes sense. It's on me, correct, right? Correct. Yeah. So even though I moan about this, the, the, the fact of the matter is most ninety nine percent of analysts are very very good in the job, right? Okay. And what they do is they affirm your conviction. Right. So if you are not, and if you're a day trader and you're a gambler, it's your bloody problem. It's That's you. right. You lose money. That's right. You are to blame. No one else, right? Yeah. But if you're in it for the long term, and don't forget Warren Buffett bought his first stock at 12 years old. He bought shares of Coke or whatever it is. He what? Sold, yeah. Wow. He bought, them, he bought his first stocks at 12 years old, right? He said he sold it for like a million years, right? So if you're in the game for like, say, 40, 50 years, you can make mm. a hell of a lot of money, right? Mm. So you look at you look at the KLCI. It's lost, what, 350 points in the last three months. We're down 22% in, in one quarter, 88% of the year if you analyze it, right? Look at a lot of stocks with very, very good fundamentals. You can just choose any of them. And if you're sitting there in your fat bum for the next 30 years, you'll be making a lot of money. You can retire on that money, right? Mm. Okay. If you've ever been to a public bank AGM, mm. They make a big song and dance about how if you had bought 1,000 shares of Public Bank at IPO in 1968, you would probably have that worth 1.4 million ringgit yeah. plus dividends and bonus issues and all that. And they are right because the equity markets are a fantastic place to make money. Okay. And that's full stop. Okay, well, just to, to wrap things up, but if a retail investor is trying to make the investment, the trading decision today and uh, maybe not use uh, or not put all of their eggs in one basket in one analyst call, what then should should the decision be? I mean, what other data points should they be looking at? My, my two cents is that to hedge the ringgit. Uh, you know, there's, there's still commodities that you can hedge against. Uh, gold, uh, for instance, uh, there's also foreign currencies. I know it's very expensive now, but it will be more expensive in, in, in you know later on. So there's a lot of ways to hedge your your investment and try to extract as much value from your existing ringgit as you can. Okay, yeah. what would you advise me to do um, apart from just reading the research reports? What else should I do before I, I make that call? There's no there's no hard and fast rule. There's no priority. But for me, one of the most important things is to meet the CEO, look him in the eyes, and see whether that fella is a real fella or not. In terms of whether he's genuine, <laughs> is he a real fella? <laughs> Flesh and bone. No, I'm serious. Touch him as well, just to make sure. <laughs> if he's attractive enough, yeah, why not? No, I'm serious, right? To, to make sure that the guy's a proper CEO who, who, who has his best interest, who has your best interest right. at heart, right? And the model CEO is someone who thinks long-term for the interest of his shareholders. Yeah. Full stop, bar none. 
Right. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. You, you talk I mean? to the guy directly. You look him in the eye. You, you can tell if it's a fake, right? Right. Yeah. right. I got it. I got no, you it. can't tell 100%, but right. you know, you can kind of The way you're looking at me right now, <laughs> and I know you really And you're a good looking guy, right? Thank you very much. You just called me Steve Jobs. You just made my day. Thank Touch you very him. much. See whether he's real. Touch ah, him. Real, real. Flesh and blood, man. It's now 9.54 a.m. You've been listening to the SM show on the morning run with uh, Kusu Chuang, Ibrahim Sani, and me, Melissa Idris. Um, now, here's a song dedicated to the the Ringgit Free Falling by Tom Petty, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.